Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Kicking off this new year and a new series here in January titled, It's Time to Grow. I want you to follow me if you have your Bible with with you to Matthew chapter 9. If not, they'll put it on the screen. As we're doing that, if you did not receive a sermon card, when you came in, you can um, put your hand in the air and you will be served. There's one down here. I know my wife needs one. I just took hers uh, as well. But um, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 14. 14. What an honor to gather together today under the victory of Jesus, standing in and upon his finished work. When we think about the work that he has for us, when you think about the work that he has for you, we think about that work with an understanding of knowing that Jesus Christ has finished His work. We follow a finisher. Can I hear an amen? We follow one who finishes to the end. I know there's been assignments and I know there's been attacks, but I'm telling you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're following one who finishes to the end. Hallelujah. Come on, we've been changed and we're still changing. We're growing and we're still going to grow. Oh, I feel something here today. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus and the ministry of His Holy Spirit. One touch from Him, one reach of faith by you to touch the hem of His garment and things instantly can change. Hallelujah. You can't see your future like you see it today, and expect newness. we got to see today a new expectation for the future. That in His light we see light. Here in Matthew 9 verse 14, the Holy Spirit's going to help some of us see what Jesus has called us to in a new light. To see the issue of fasting in a new light. It says in verse 14, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples, Jesus, do not fast. Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And they then will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined." But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us near to you through 
the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. He alone is king. He alone is worthy of our life and our worship and our affection. Father, we're reminded that you said, He who honors the Son honors the Father. So we honor you, Son of God, today is the one who is the head of your church that's building your church. And because you're building it, the gates of Hades and hell will not prevail. We stand boldly upon the confession of our faith that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever that your kingdom is not of this world, that we're citizens and pilgrims on this earth and you are faithful to the end. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to move in our hearts and our minds, to move past barriers, to move past doubt, to tear down offenses and arguments and excuses that you would cause us to know the truth and the truth that we know would make us experience freedom in Him. May Jesus be exalted. We dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Unashamedly at the beginning, I want to tell you that I'm calling and asking you to have skin in the game. Unashamedly, I am inviting you and asking you to have skin in the game. Now, if you've never heard that phrase before, let me help you this morning. The phrase to have skin in the game means to be invested, to be involved in achieving a goal. See, in that phrase, skin represents a person, the whole person. And the game is a metaphor for actions on the field of play or in the area under discussion. When we talk about goals, the goal we're talking about is not earthly goals, but an eternal goal. A goal to see the kingdom of God expand. To see people who sit in darkness to see the great light, Jesus Christ. People who lay their head each night in oppression and depression, would come to know freedom and life in Jesus Christ. See, it's time to grow. And because it's time to grow, it's time to fast. Roman numeral one, I want to talk about it's time. Notice in the text that we read there in Matthew 9 that during the ministry of Jesus, he's questioned by the disciples of John the Baptist as to why Jesus' disciples do not fast. It's interesting that he is not questioned on why he didn't fast. We're not sure. The gospel writer didn't tell us. The text, the scriptures doesn't tell us that if these disciples had observed Jesus fasting, or maybe they had heard before Jesus started his ministry that he spent time in the desert fasting. Nevertheless, we do know clearly from the gospel writers that Jesus fasted. Now, I don't know about you, but anything that Jesus did, and if I, by the Father, am called to be conformed to His image, then anything He did should grab my attention. 
I should at least be interested enough in it to grow in understanding and learning about it. And Scripture is clear that Jesus, the one that I'm called to follow, to be conformed to His image, He fasted. But the question we're looking at this morning that Jesus was asked was not about Him fasting. It was about why His disciples do not fast. What does that mean for you today? It means that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ or claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this question, this issue that John's disciples ask is directly related to your life. Directly related to you following Jesus Christ. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 9 and verse 15. And Jesus said, this is his answer to the question he's asked. He says to them, can the, bride, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Maybe like... Maybe you, like I, have been fortunate enough to attend wonderful celebratory occasions called a wedding. I've never been invited to a wedding where after we've celebrated a holy thing that God instituted called marriage between a man and a woman that after that celebratory moment that the parents of the bride and groom said, we're so excited that you took a part in this holy occasion that, you know what, we're just going to fast. No music, no food. I've never been to a wedding like that before. Jesus speaks to this question he's asked about, listen, can the friends of a bridegroom, can they fast as long as the bridegroom is with them? But, someone say but. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Then they will fast. Notice Jesus doesn't say they might fast. Jesus didn't say if they fast. Jesus said then they will fast. It's time. Come on, someone say, it is time. Regarding the disciples of Jesus and fasting, number one, the days have come to fast. This is why when Jesus cast a vision to his disciples for the new community that he's forming, during what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, he taught them, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Jesus said, I'm forming a new community. It's going to be a community that represents heaven on earth. It's going to be a community that seeks to display the Father's heart and my character to the hurting and to the lost and to the world that has been blinded and deceived and turned from their creator by the enemy of their souls. And he says, this new community, they will give. They will pray and they will fast. See, the issue regarding fasting for the disciples who followed Jesus during the days of his flesh on earth was about timing. The issue was not about they won't fast. The issue was about the timing of when to fast. 
Notice Jesus says when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. It's about timing. And I want to tell dwelling place this morning that it's time to fast. I want to tell you this morning it's time to fast. See, notice Jesus says when the bridegroom is gone is when they will fast. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never physically shook the hand of Jesus. I've never had Jesus physically walk with me through a trial. Jesus physically is not here today. See, his physical presence has been removed from us. And the fact that the bridegroom and his physical presence has been removed from the earth means it's time to fast. We live in a season where fasting is for the community of followers of Jesus Christ. It's time. When Jesus is no longer with them in the flesh, then they will fast. It means it's time for us to fast. So the days have come to fast, number one. Number two, why do we fast? What is fasting about? Fasting is hungering for Him and His presence. This is why in the days when He is not on the earth physically, those who follow Him will then fast. Because fasting is hungering for His presence to be felt by us. For Him to reveal that He's with us. It's hungering for Him and His presence. Listen to me. When I hunger more for the presence of the Lord than I do the presence of food, I will fast. When I'm ever in a place in life where I hunger more for the presence of the Lord than the presence of food, I will fast. This is what fasting is. Fasting is demonstrating outwardly a heart that inwardly says, Lord, I hunger to be close to you. I hunger to have ears to hear what you're saying. I hunger to know your heartbeat for the world around me and for my family and for my life and for the community that you've placed me in. Lord, I hunger more to hear you, to know you, to be with you than I do to just have a plate of food. A plate of food that though it might be a great plate of food, moments later still leaves me hungry again. Oh, I want to tell you that the word of the Lord in an area of your life can cause you to experience completeness. I want to tell you that the Lord's presence coming into areas of your life can take areas that have seemed void and incomplete and make them whole and complete in Jesus' name. I want to tell you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit Jesus spoke of said can take the broken places of your heart and make them whole again. Hallelujah. So fasting is for us as followers of Jesus. The days have come to fast. Fasting is hungering for Him in His presence. Then Roman numeral 2, fasting is related to new and old and old and new. Jesus, after He speaks about the timing of when His disciples and his, the community of His followers that He's forming will fast, after He has accomplished His finished work and ascended to the Father and has been seated at the right hand of the Father, He says, then they will fast. In those days they will fast. Then He gives us two examples related to timing, alignment, unity, and fasting. The two examples He gives is patches and garments and wine and wineskins. What's interesting about patches and garments and wine and wineskins is both are related to new and old things. 
Fasting has to do with new and old and old and new. Well, what does it have to do? Well, first understand, you don't put new on old. And you don't put new in old. What does that mean? Well, there's no doubt that Jesus is also here indirectly referring to the time and change of covenants. The change and transition for His hearers from the old covenant and the law of Moses to the new covenant that He would establish 40 days before He left them and returned to the Father in heaven. Without a doubt, Jesus, when He's talking about the timing of fasting and He's talking about new and old and old and new, He's talking about this transition that His followers, they're following Him in the days of the flesh. They're about to transition from living under the old covenant and the law of Moses to a new covenant that hadn't been established yet, but He would establish 40 days before He ascended back to the Father. What he's saying is this. He's saying you don't put the New Testament work of the Holy Spirit in the same old human vessels. He's telling his disciples and he's telling those that ask him is that God's about to do a new thing on the earth. God's about to have a new New Testament ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's full role in ministry under the new covenant is about to take place and you don't put the new work of the Holy Spirit into the old human vessels. The new work must be done by new creations. It means fasting is for the New Testament believers. Fasting is for the new creations that have been brought forth by the word of truth. Those that have been regenerated and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has begotten us, that He has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His light, that we have been born from above, born again, that we have been recreated in true righteousness and holiness. I had a dream just uh, this week because there's been some things that, you know, this has been a very unique year for me and the Lord's using it for His glory and He's setting things up. It's, as I preached this several weeks ago, a season of waiting. But, but I had this dream and in the dream I was preaching and that's what I was reminding myself and people about. The work of His salvation in our spirit. Hallelujah. See, let me tell you that circumstances around us doesn't change the work of salvation in our spirit. And the more our soul gets renewed and our mind gets renewed to what God has started on the inside of us, the more it's going to show up on the outside of us. But God's done a new work. He has new creations. He has new human vessels that are fit now for the new wine of His Spirit, fit now for the new work of God's Spirit, fit now for what the Holy Spirit is doing on the earth today. See, listen, the Father and Jesus are considered theologically accurate to be in heaven, but it's it's the person of the Holy Spirit's presence who's here on earth. And you don't put the new work of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant in old human vessels. Fasting is for the New Testament believer. It's not a law of Moses thing. It's not a works thing. It's a Jesus follower thing. Now he gives this example of patches and garments. Let's look at this. Notice in Matthew 9 and verse 16, he says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk, unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Unshrunk cloth means a new piece of cloth. Here Matthew then calls it and says that Jesus called it a patch. Now listen, 
You don't seek to patch an old garment unless the old garment has great value. So in this example, Jesus is highlighting that the old garment is a valuable thing. It's a worthy thing. It's something that you don't want it to go away. Therefore, that's why you seek to patch up anything that's going wrong with the old garment. But he says when you seek to patch up the old garment and get the old garment to the full expression that it used to have, you don't put an unshrunk piece of cloth upon it. Why? Because the unshrunk does three things, Jesus said. It pulls away, it tears the garment, and it makes things worse. Let me tell you today that there's unshrunk people. Let me tell you that there's not just unshrunk people around us and in this world, but there's also unshrunk believers. Their heads are too big. Their sense of importance is too great. They're too prideful, too self-dependent. They're too new to the things of God or the Scripture to really perceive the value of the old ways. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is an old garment. There is an old garment that's always been upon the people of God. And there's many times new believers and new families that come into the faith that they want to take their unshrunk ideas and unshrunk things and put it on the old garment. I want to tell you that no, we don't take the unshrunk and put it on the old garment. Because when we try to do that, it pulls away, tears the garment and makes things worse. There's believers that are not shrunk to see themselves in the light of Christ's glory and still are living for their own glory. Listen, I don't want your business to prosper so that you get more glory. I want your business to prosper so that Christ gets more glory. I don't want your marriage to be godly and healthy just so it makes you look good. I want your marriage to prosper and be healthy so it makes him look good. Can I get an amen? I'm talking about believers becoming shrunk to see themselves in the light of Christ's glory and his kingdom. To see the greater work of the Lord that's taken place. See, listen, people who have not been shrunk in the estimation of themselves, they pull away from others. You see it all the time. They're not humble enough or mature enough to deal with disagreements, differing viewpoints, different perceptions. They're not mature enough to know how to deal with offenses and hurts. And so what do unshrunk believers do when such difficulties, such friction happens? They pull away. They pull away from other believers. They pull away from the, the body of Christ. They pull away. Jesus says that that which is unshrunk pulls away. See, people who have not been shrunk tear the garment and the work that Jesus is weaving. Have you ever met people that they know more than others? At times it seems like they know more than the Holy Spirit Himself. People ask the question all the time, how can children of God do such things? You know, it's sort of that question, how does good people do such bad things? i tell you why. Because just because we're a believer don't mean we're a shrunk believer. And you can have believers that still have the same mindset, the same perceptions, the same attitudes as the world who thinks that they're esteemed more than they really are. This is what fasting does. 
Fasting allows us to get shrunk. I mean spiritually and also physically. And it's good for all of us. Amen. I'll stop it, but I I just had a rap song idea, Get Shrunk. Get Shrunk. That's, That's a hit right there. That's a hit. Money for the kingdom. <laughs> but listen, unstrunk believers, they know more than other believers who's been strunk and have walked with the Lord through many valleys and many mountaintops. See, people who have not been shrunk make things worse, not better. This is, this is the lie that we bought in America in Christendom and in church growth thinking is we, we think that if we just get more people who are believers, then that's automatically going to change the world around us, but it's, it's not true. Because if you get more believers who stay unshrunk, they live just like the world around them. And Jesus said when we lose our saltiness, we become good for nothing to impact the world around us and we get trampled underfoot by the culture around us. We think just like them. Our lives look just like them. We talk just like them. We pursue things just like them. We forget to seek first the kingdom. We forget we have a high calling. We forget that we are noble, that we are temples of God, that we are a priesthood, that we are the called and the elect of God transferred out of the kingdom of darkness to declare the praises of Him who saved us. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But see, fasting can shrink me. Fasting can shrink us, dwelling place. Fasting can shrink you to depend upon the Lord in a greater capacity. See, the new has to be shrunk to match the old. Dr. Luke says in his account of Jesus' teaching in this passage, he says the new does not match the old. The new does not match the old, meaning there is an old garment, and the old garment represents the miraculous power of God and the holy anointing oil of God. We'll see in an example here at the end how that is true. But the old garment represents the miraculous power of God. Elijah and Elisha knew about this old garment. The Scripture says after Elijah was taken uh, to heaven, that Elisha took the old garment of Elijah and did twice as many miracles. See, there is an ancient way, there is an ancient path, and it drips with the oil of God's anointing and God's power and in abundant miracles. But see, when you get unshrunk believers, when you get Western modern nation, uh, Western mindsets, and when you, we went through a, a change in how we viewed the world... And people say, oh, the day of miracles have passed away. We don't need the power of God anymore because we have iPhones and can access anything whenever we want it. But I want to tell you that there's an old garment. And we don't take new ideas and fancy ideas and new creations and try to put a new patch on the old garment. No, the old garment is is needed. We still need the power of God's Spirit. We still need the anointing of God's Spirit. We still follow a miraculous, miracle-working God. And miracles are for today. It's for this moment. And God's got miracles for your life. Can I hear an amen? 
See, new believers can be unshrunk and depend on the flesh. They can depend on their own ability. They can depend on their own sufficiency, on their own wisdom, on their own ideas. And this is what fasting does. It shrinks us to stop depending on that which is just human and from our own ability and depend on God's wisdom, God's power, God's work of His Spirit. Also, when you think about an unshrunk cloth, an unshrunk cloth is also untested cloth. And untested methods make matters worse. I want to tell you that the method of God's power is still sufficient to set an addict free. I want to tell you that that the power of God is still able to bring people to conviction. We don't need new tricks and new techniques. We just need the old garment. The old garment of God's power and work of His Spirit because unshrunk cloth is untested methods and untested methods don't make the power of God more tangible but make matters worse. And I know that every believer is going to have to be tested. The Bible speaks of it. Many believers don't make it past their test because they're unshrunk. And you can't make it a pass the test of faith depending on your own faith and your own ability. You have to get to the place where the Holy Spirit has created and authored faith in you. Faith in the substance of Christ in you. Depending on Him. Looking to Him. Trusting. Not in your own ways and methods, but trusting in Him and in all, all of your ways. Financially. Physically. Emotionally. Relationally. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path smooth. That's what fasting begins to do. Listen, fasting can create the right dependency on the sufficiency of Christ instead of ourselves. Untested methods can make matters worse. A lot of new methods are just untested methods that cause more harm to the old garment. They begin to blind people from the need to see they need to depend upon the miracle working power of God. That there's times in life that you face such issues that without the tangible power of God touching areas, they can't be whole. They can't be healed. There is oil on the old garment. And that oil goes all the way down to the very edge of the garment. There's unity in the old garment. People think, oh, when God's power begins to show up and we talk about miracles and the anointing of God and spiritual gifts, it brings disunity. No, 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 that's a lie. See, that's, that's a new untested thought. Because the psalmist clearly said that the oil upon the old garment, that it brings unity. It brings unity. New patches pull away from what was already established, and that's why they tear the garment. So here's what the point of that part is. Number three, fasting will help your life match the ancient path that drips with the oil of God's presence and power. Fasting will help your life match the ancient path that drips with the oil of God's presence and power. So he gives the example of patches and garments... Then he gives one other example of wine and wineskins. 
Notice in verse 17 he says, Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Here's what he says. When it comes to old wineskins, they break under new expansion. Old wineskins break under new expansion, which causes the wine to be spilled. And the wineskins are also ruined. Because Jesus says new wine expands. And because it expands, new wine need wineskins and structures that can make room and expand as it matures. See, listen to me. As God begins to save people in this church and begins to cause us to reach this generation, the next generation, and young people, there's got to be a wineskin. Here's also for you young in the faith and young in the Lord and just young in age. Notice that new wine still needs a wineskin. You still need accountability. You still need a multitude of counselors around you. You still need the wisdom of the ancient path and the ancient ways of God and mature believers around you. It's not just do whatever comes in your heart. You still need a wineskin. But for us as leaders and for us as mature, you need to understand, we need to understand that the type of wineskin they need is one that can make room as they grow. Make room as they expand that it allows them to reach their capacity for the kingdom of God and the glory of Jesus Christ. So number four, fasting is related to becoming a new wineskin ready for the new wine. See, listen, old wine doesn't reach new skins. New skins meaning new people. When God anointed and filled you with the Holy Spirit, some of you five years ago, That old wine and old anointing doesn't reach new wineskins, new people today. That's why Paul in Ephesians 5 says, in the present Greek, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what fasting does. Fasting says, God, you want to reach new wineskins. You want to reach new skins. You want to reach new people around us. And therefore, we need new wine to reach new wineskins. Old wine doesn't reach new skins and new people. But new wine brings new growth. And it's time to grow. See, old wineskins can't expand, can't bring in new growth and can't contain new growth. But new wine is for new skins. And when you fast, you seek first the Lord and His kingdom and His righteousness, you're saying, Lord, I'm presenting myself to be a new wineskin a new skin in the game, in an eternal game of seeing people be reconciled to their Creator. Know the loving kindness and the mercy and the goodness of the Lord as revealed in the face and the person of Jesus Christ. You want new wine? Be a new wine skin. And if you get new wine, remember that new wine is to reach new wine skins. The anointing of God and the work of God's Spirit in our life is not just for us. It's to flow out of us to reach new skins, new people, to cause new growth and new expansion. Now when you talk about it's time to grow and you talk about growth and expansion and a new wineskin, a new building to contain 
God's growth of new skins and new people being reached. When you talk about that, immediately we all understand that means change. And when change happens, we should all know ourselves and know our humanity enough at this point in life to understand that our initial response to the idea of change is resistance. And I have found that because growth brings change, how we respond to the change, often the difference between wine skins, those at W-H-I-N-E, and those that are wine skins, W-I-N-E, is often fasting. That those that whine and complain and have a problem with change and growth and all of the variables that comes with growth, the difference between those that whine and complain and those that say, I got skin in the game. I'm invested, so I'm willing to embrace change, willing to embrace growth because it's not about me. It's about the bigger thing that Jesus is doing that often the difference is fasting. Is fasting. Listen, it's not the color of your skin or the gender of your skin that matters. The matter is, has your skin become a new wineskin? Have you been redeemed? Are you a temple of the Lord? Have you been reconciled to your Creator through Jesus Christ? Are you a new wineskin? And if you are a new wineskin, here's the other point. Do you have skin in the game? Have you presented your body through fasting to say, Lord, I'm ready for you to expand my capacity, to expand my potential of how you can allow the wine and the work of your Spirit to work through me. I want oil on my skin. I want the provision of the blood of Jesus upon my skin. I want the promises of God to be manifested upon my skin in my life. Does anybody else? Well, listen, this is point five. Fasting is related to appropriating the finished work of Christ by faith upon your life. Fasting is related to the Holy Spirit creating faith in you to experience and appropriate the promises of God that are yes and amen. Fasting accelerates the birth of faith. And this is why number six, fasting is pivotal because it's time to grow. See, fasting increases our capacity for experiencing more of the promises that are yes and amen in Christ. Fasting deals with wrong desires and postures us for the Lord to create right desires. Fasting is how we put our skin in the game, literally, for the miraculous advancement of the kingdom of God. And I said miraculous. I'm not just talking about natural advancement. I'm talking about how to put skin in the game for God to advance His kingdom supernaturally and miraculous. I'm talking about how when Jesus did miracles and when divine moments came into people's suffering that it caused the kingdom to expand. It caused people to realize that there is a God that cares. And I'm telling you, when you want to see the kingdom of God grow in acceleration, we have to put skin in the game. It is fasting that positions us for the advancement of the kingdom through the miraculous power of God. Why? Because it's a new wine skin that is ready for the new wine of God's anointing that causes God to move into people's now hurts, now circumstances, now situations. Did you know that 
it was only in Acts 14, 23, only new leaders were set after no tables were set with food. See, our mission is the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. Do you understand that when you read in the book of Acts, there was no new leaders, there was no new leaders set in their kingdom purpose until no tables were set with food. They fasted every time they set new leaders. Did you know that there were no new churches planted without there being new wineskins? Every early church you read about in Acts was planted by new wineskins, people that presented themselves to the Lord in fasting. Every early church fasted. We want to see more churches planted. There's got to be more shrunken wineskins, more people showing their dependency and need for the oil and the old garment of God's miraculous power and anointing. After Jesus gives his teaching, Matthew gives two miracles of how he takes what Jesus taught and applies it to what Jesus did. The first miracle is where a woman touched his garment as the band comes. You read about it in Matthew 9 and verse 19. Notice what it says. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Fasting is related to touching his garment. Notice this woman, she had a flow of blood. By the way, that is a positive thing. A woman wants that because the flow of blood represents her ability to reproduce, to multiply. The issue is, is she had too much of a flow of blood and the timing of it was off, the alignment of it was off, the order of it was off. But when she touched the hem of his garment, the flow from his garment was greater than what flowed out of her life. This is what fasting does because some of you have had a lot of negative things flow out of your life. See, the Bible says that life is in the blood. The flow of her blood represents what flowed out of her life. She had to spend money after money after money on doctors and It kept her from being able to do other things and being able to be fully engaged in maybe God's purpose of her life. And she's dealing with this issue. But what flowed out of the garment of Jesus was greater than all that flowed out of her life previously. I want to tell you that regardless of what's flowed out of your life, whether it's been unforgiveness, whether it's been bondage, whether it's been anger, whether it's been deception and willful rebellion, whatever's flowed out of your life, when we fast, it's so that we can touch the hem of His garment because what flows out of Jesus is greater than all that's previously flowed out of your life. That He can make you not just a new creation, but He can make you a new wineskin that's shrunk for a new power and the work of God's Spirit in this hour and in this moment. Fasting is pressing through the crowd, the cares of this life and eating and feasting and festivities. Fasting is pushing through all that tries to crowd out Jesus' presence and hungry for Him. 
fasting is pressing through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. See, we often look at what flows out of our life. I've had ugly things show up in my life. But see, fasting gets you in a position to not just know what you already know of the things that's flowed out of your life. Fasting gets you in a position for the Lord to show you the root of why that flowed out of your life. Fasting gets you in a position for Him to heal the areas that causes dysfunction to flow out of your life. I don't just want to know what's wrong in my life. I want the Lord's power to touch the very root that empowers the wrong in my life. Can I hear an amen? I'll never forget. I was on a fast. So the first, uh, second church that I had been a part of, it's the first church Michelle and I together were on staff. and We were on a corporate fast. And at the time, I was a teacher at their Christian school. And they had a, a prayer chapel. The church was... Uh, in one area of the property and the school was the other area and the prayer chapel had these little prayer chambers they were prayer closets real little just enough to get in and kneel and pray and on lunch during the fast I would go down to the prayer chapel and go in the room and I'll never forget one time there on the fast where the presence of my Lord and Savior filled that room He touched an area of my life. I was frustrated about something that was happening in another person's life. And in that moment, the Lord revealed and said, you'll be just like that person. See, we look at the outward things and don't realize at times that we might have the same inward hurts that leads to that fruit. I said, oh God, I don't want to be like that. And the Lord, by His power and anointing, He put His finger minister the Holy Spirit on that area and He healed me. He healed me. I, I couldn't recover as God was healing me. I had to get one of the faculty and say, you need to call the school. I'm not going to make it back to class. I'm encountering the Lord. Someone else is going to have to take over my class until I can get back up and go. But see, fasting positions you to push through all the distractions and touch the hem of His garment. Then Matthew lists another miracle. Verse 23, it says, When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, He said to them, Make room. Someone say, Make room. Make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed Him. But when the crowd was put outside, He went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. A report of this went out into all the land. Notice he said, make room. Make room for the miraculous power of God to take what others have called dead in your life and to make them bloom again and come alive again. Make room. This is what fasting does. Fasting makes room. Makes room for the miracle power of God's Spirit to touch areas of our life that's been dead. Come alive again. You say, why is that important? Because dead things can't reach dead people. It takes God causing us through the death power, the death and resurrection of Jesus, causing us to come alive in others, to be able to cause others who are dead to come alive. 
See, making room for the miraculous is connected to making room in your belly. Making room for kingdom growth is connected to making it through the growth of hunger pains as you fast. You say, where do you get that from? Well, the man who just made room for the miraculous power of God and raised a girl from the dead was a person who fasted. He's your Lord and Savior. If you've acknowledged Him as that. This is how the power of God the anointing of God. This is how we make room for it, through fasting. Making room for godly desires to be fulfilled is connected to making room for the desire to eat going unfulfilled. I'll say it again. Making room for godly desires to be fulfilled is connected to making room for the desires to eat going unfulfilled. When the Lord spared my life, New Year's Eve, 1998. After I came out of the psychiatric ward, my parents began to share the gospel with me again. I began to enter a time of repentance and seeking the Lord and surrendering to His Lordship and call of my life. And as I began to pursue Him and seek first His kingdom, I began to read Scripture, of course, and began to read books. I never read books before growing up. I wasn't a reader. And I found that all the men and women of God I was reading about that had the old garment on their life, that had the oil of the Holy Spirit upon their life, that was involved in seeing the gospel advance to the miraculous power of God that displays the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that they all fasted. They didn't just pray. They didn't just give, but they fasted. I didn't know anything about fasting. I just saw that everybody that was had the oil of God upon their life that I was reading about. They fasted. I thought, that's just what we do. We fast. I started fasting not knowing anything about fasting. Never read a book on fasting. Didn't know anybody that fasted. I just said, this is obviously what you do if you want to be used of God. You see the old garment. You see the old ways. You'll find from the very inception of the early church on, it's people that said, Lord, here is a new wineskin. I'm presenting my body in newness through fasting for you to fill it with a new wine. And it's new wine that reaches a new generation. It's new wine that reaches new family members. It's new wine that reaches new skins and new people. It's new wine. Because making room for new desires to be created is connected to not having food created in the room of your house called the kitchen. I'm asking you to have skin in the game. In the game of what God is doing on the earth, in the game of what God is doing here at Dwelling Place Church, and I'm calling and asking you to join the leadership of this church in a seven-day corporate fast. Let me define fasting for you. Biblical fasting is when you abstain from food for a godly purpose. It's not dieting. It's for a godly purpose. Seeking Him first. Taking the time that you would normally use to cook food and eat food to spend time in prayer. Spend time giving of yourself. I want to encourage you to do a liquid fast, a seven-day liquid fast. What's a liquid fast? It's just that. You eat no food, but you can drink liquids. On a liquid fast, you want to drink a minimum of a 
gallon of non-tap water a day to flush out your organs and to get harmful toxins that create diseases in minds and organs and to get those toxins out. You can read Isaiah 58. The Bible says when you fast with the Father's heart, there's promised blessings to come upon your life. And one of them is, is your healing will spring forth speedily. Why do you think animals, when they get sick, they fast? God has created a way that our body can rejuvenate itself. Fasting is one of the ways. People that don't even believe in God, don't even follow Jesus, doctors that are honest doctors will tell you that fasting done right and not long lengths will absolutely help you. Tell you what, I've never died from fasting, but I've had a lot of wrong things die in my life by fasting. I've had a lot of attitudes and self-dependency be shrunk. I've had encounters with the Lord, Michelle and I, the first three, four years of our life. We walked in the miraculous provision of God. What many people don't know is when we were engaged, believing for full-time ministry, equipping ministry, serving the body. We're all full-time ministers, but I mean in serving the body. We would fast one day a week. We sowed a seed a dollar a day. We both were involved in serving and giving. God absolutely honored that because Jesus said, when you go and you fast, focused on the Father, He'll reward you openly. He'll reward you openly. And I want to tell you that what God wants to do openly in your life is way more significant than a couple plates of food for a week. Maybe if you work, you work outdoors, great physical strength is needed to work. Maybe you can do a half-fast. Half-fast is you eat no food until after 3 p.m. each day or you don't eat from sunup to sundown. Then you eat one meal in the evening. People say, well, that's easier. Well, it, actually, it's not. Because <laughs> when you do a liquid fast, once you get past about day two and a half, the hunger pains are gone. But when you do a half fast because you eat in the evening, your digestive tract and all that's still working and the hunger pains just sort of stay every day. But maybe if you work and you need that strength, it's a wise thing to do. I felt this year, I've never heard this, and I, both of my pastors are known globally for, for fasting, come from two major fasting churches and with global influence. I never heard this, but in prayer for this message, I heard the Lord say, reverse half fast. Because it makes more sense. A reverse half fast is eat no food after 3 p.m. each day. Because when are you working, most of you, from 8 to 5? But then once you get home, eat breakfast, eat lunch, eat snacks at work. But then when you get home, spend all that time in prayer and reading Scripture and serving your family. But I want to tell you, that is a call to have skin in the game. We'll answer questions throughout this week if you have. But I want to encourage, if you've never fasted, to fast. To fast. And I want to ask those that have fasted, I want you to, 
let the Lord slay any excuses. Listen, there's never a good time to fast naturally. But because it's time to grow. To grow in your capacity to be used of God. To grow in your capacity as a new wine skin to be filled with new new wine. It's time to fast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.